Yeah, so just bear in mind the words that, uh, the testimony that John brought, John doesn't know what I'm sharing, and um, Jeska and um, what Grant has brought as well. So just bear in mind that God can speak from the beginning of the meeting to the end. So let's just see where that, uh, that goes, and, and uh, as God speaks to you this morning. Are you going to be hearing my voice this morning? Uh, I sometimes think my voice sounds good. Uh, yes, go. You want to pray for me? All right. Thank you. Lord, I just want to pray for Sean, Lord. I want to ask you, Lord, to, with us, to lift his, his arms in this morning as he carries a, the light burden that you have placed on him. I pray, Lord, that you will give him his insight, and I thank you, Lord, that he is here to give us a word from you. We honor you, Lord, and yeah, just be with him this morning. Amen. Um, so if you, I'm, I'm really bad at, at keeping, uh, if I know how a movie is going to end, um, and you ask me about the movie, the first thing out of my mouth will be how the movie ends. So uh, don't, uh, you know, spoiler, I don't have a spoiler filter. Everything just comes out, okay? Um, and so this morning, uh, I say that because I'm going to tell you very quickly now what I'm going to share, and then, uh, and then I'll try to share it. <laughs> and hopefully it, you, it, the point comes across a lot better because I prepared you beforehand what was coming. So I want to take us on a journey this morning. I want to show you in the Old Testament how how God, um, you know, in His, He, he has a long-term plan, okay, and he's, he's been executing it for thousands of years, um, and the, He created through this uh, group of people, the Israelites, He's created this image for us of what, how He wants salvation to work, of how salvation works, His redemptive plan works, okay? So He's, he's shown us through the history a specific country with a specific people group is physically demonstrated to us what's happening in the spiritual realm. And so he's, in this particular case, what I want to, want to show you guys is um, God gave certain cultural laws um, and governmental laws and religious laws to the Israelites in uh, the first couple of books of the Bibles. We're going to look at uh, a particular verse in Leviticus it's going to show you how God gave a physical law, um, so a physical thing they needed to, to do, and then I want to pull it through to how it's, Jesus reveals a spiritual heart, and then how he, what it means for us today, okay? So, bear with me, um, I, do, I do like to, uh, you know, surprise from an angle, so let's see, let's see if this, this works. Uh, I don't know about any of you, but um, I don't have any tattoos, okay? So if you were wondering, I don't have any tattoos. I'm particularly neutral when it comes to tattoos. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not particularly strong. I don't believe you should have them. Uh, I don't believe you shouldn't have them. Uh, I think this is where I land on the, the, the matter. If somebody walks in or if I meet someone and they're full of tattoos, I, when I look at them, I don't believe that they are going to hell, necessarily, because of the tattoos, okay, so that's, 
that's pretty much where I land on that. So if uh, if you ask me if you if you want if you ask me if Alvan comes to me in this week and he says I want to get this tattoo, I'd, I'd probably say mm, you probably shouldn't get that tattoo. <laughs> um, just because of a few long-term considerations, nothing particularly. Uh, 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 you know, spirit-led or so, if we were just having it. Yeah, I'd say no. <laughs> uh, but uh, God, you know, uh, in Leviticus 19 verse 28, He says to the Israelites, He gives this, He says, do not cut your bodies for the dead. Okay, that's one thing. And then it says, or put tattoo marks on yourselves. Okay, I am the Lord. So that's quite direct. It's one of those, you know, one of those that, we look, we look for the black and white. We look for the answers, you know. God, should I, should I drink wine? Shouldn't I drink wine? Should I put tattoos or shouldn't I? And yeah, it's quite, it says that we shouldn't put tattoos, okay? Um, I want to drill down to the detail of it so that we can see why would God say this. Um, if we, let's jump to Leviticus 20 quickly and then we'll come back. So Leviticus 20 verse 26, it says, You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Okay, so God wants His people to be separate. So he, the Israelites, the way they lived was supposed to be pure and completely uncontaminated from the cultures or the religions of the modern day around them. They needed to be set apart, separate, consecrate, completely different uh, from any of the... So in those, in those days, the Canaanites, uh, the area was called Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, and also the Egypt was also pretty close by, which were the, the modern day or the, the then day giants, you know, big cultures of the time. And so... Um, it's often assumed that Leviticus 19, uh, the tattoos refer to some kind of mourning uh, ceremony or mourning ritual uh, that the cultures had because it is quite close to the context of do not cut your bodies for the dead. So some cultures would actually, when someone dies, uh, they would actually you know, ins make incisions on their, in their body and, and, and that type of thing. Um, but I've, I've gone... To some gotten some scholarly references that I want to uh, refer to you. So um, the one, the first one is about tattooing in, in Mesopotamia. It says that slaves in ancient in ancient Mesopotamia, oh, struggling with that one, Mesopotamia were in some periods marked either by incision or brand. So in the same way that we would brand cattle, um, or by tattoo in the flesh on the forehead. Or on the hand, firstly, that sounds very painful. Um, the purpose of marking the slave was that he could be returned to the rightful owner. Okay? So the, the marking, the incision, the branding was a sign of ownership. Okay? So a slave owner would indicate with their mark, this person belongs to me. Okay? In then in ancient Egypt, it's quite similar. Um, captives were branded with the name of a god, uh, thus belonging to the priesthood, or of Pharaoh, thus belonging to the state. Uh, hence the tattoo in Egypt, as in Mesopotamia, 
was a mark of slavery. Uh, but he also adds, thus devotees of a god would also be branded with its name. Okay? So, it, with that context, it kind of makes sense that, you know, it, gives a, it shines a little bit more light on why God didn't want his people to have tattoos. Because it was common day practice to um, identify yourself to mark yourself as belonging to another God with these types of branding or tattoos, okay? So don't associate yourselves with that. Makes sense, right? Okay. So that makes a bit more, that gives a bit more context and a little bit more context. I think we can come to the right conclusion. And the conclusion, in, from my perspective, should be that don't physically associate yourselves with... Um, idols, or other gods um, in, the, in the modern day. Okay. Now, most of us don't struggle with tattooing other gods' names on ourselves. We might be tattooing our uh, loved ones' <laughs> names and those types of things. Um, but, you know, I think, that was, I think that was culturally very specific. And um, I want to jump to what Jesus says. Um, and... And this is where you need to bear with me a bit because Jesus doesn't specifically speak about tattoos. Okay, he does, There's no specific reference where Jesus speaks about whether you should or not have tattoos. But he does, in some cases, refer to um, you know, religious laws and principles and what the heart is behind them. And so let's try to, to draw a parallel and, and come to a conclusion uh, from Matthew 15. Uh, we'll jump to verse 16, uh, Jessica. But Jesus basically tells us, uh, uh, well, the Pharisees come to Jesus and he says, he says to them, why do your disciples not wash their hands before they eat? And then Jesus uh, famously says that it's not what enters the person that defiles them, uh, but what comes out from their heart. Okay? And then the, the disciples, in their, their usual fashion, Ask Jesus for a little bit more insight uh, into what he just said. And Jesus' common response is something along the lines of, are you still so dull? <laughs> um, it's very nice of him. <laughs> Direct to the point, like, um, how can't you get this? <laughs> I think it would be an accurate translation. Um, so that's what Jesus asked them, verse 17. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? So whether you eat something with washed hands or not seems to be quite low on Jesus' priority. Do, do you agree with me? Okay. Um, so, the, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Okay. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Okay? And I would argue along the same lines that a physical inscription on your body unless it's a, 
<laughs> idolatrous commitment to another God. <laughs> you know, that's where, um, that's where I would draw the line. But a physical inscription on your body does not defile you. Uh, but a devotionless heart, a heart that isn't devoted to God, uh, a heart that is defiled, that's what displeases God. Okay, so that's, that's the principle that I would try to draw out there. And so, and that's, and so in terms of my original uh, point with the tattoos, I don't think a physical inscription defiles you. Okay. And so let's go, let's jump into the heart, the motives of the heart, um, the, pure, the purity of the heart. That is what is, that is what is valuable to God. That is what is, what is looking after, is your heart, okay? And so, the condition of one's heart. Matthew 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, okay? And so, what is pure? Pure means that it's free from the corruption of guilt or sin. Um, and so, it's clean. It's a clean heart, okay? Able to, not contaminated by the things of this world, not drawn away by the desires of the flesh, not distracted or numb to the things of God, not hard towards God, but a soft, tender, obedient heart uh, towards Him. Uh, James 4 verse 8, and there's a, there's a trick, don't, don't get distracted here, but here it says, come near to God and He will come near to you. And then it says, wash your hands. But Jesus just said, <laughs> you can eat uh, with unwashed hands. But again, the context would be important because the unwashed hands Jesus was referring to was before people eat. But the washed hands in this case is the, in the if you remember the tabernacle, the base, the, the base and the laver, however you pronounce that word, was where the priests had to daily come and wash their hands from the dust that accumulated um, during the day. So they had to wash that. Pure, that's a that's a purifying, it's a daily purification uh, reference uh, and not a human tradition, okay? So wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So you, who can purify your heart? You can. Jesus can help you, but you need to, you need to determine. You need to take control. You need to steer your heart towards purification, Amen? Okay, so it's not, it's not your wife's responsibility. <laughs> Although, John, it sounds like Chin's very helpful in that department. Uh, although it's not her responsibility, she's definitely helping. Uh, my, it's always, uh, I can't remember the exact reference, but it's something along the lines of it. The, the wife is the umpire. <laughs> she's very good at saying when you're out. And when you're in. Um, so for those who do have the privilege of having a, a wife, um, listen. <laughs> Sometimes you'll be wrong, some more than others. And so our hearts, our hearts are, it's not, I don't think it's too complex. Our hearts are our beliefs, our attitudes, our inner thoughts, um, the commitments and the vows that you make in your heart, uh, uh, you know, it's in, inside of you. It's, what you. it's what you think, it's what you believe, and those are the things that motivate your actions. 
whether you know it or not, whether you've been in control of what you believe or not. And so these things are mostly shaped by life. Life happens to you, and you tend to draw certain conclusions. And I know from my personal experience as a human being with a heart of my own that I want to avoid pain and suffering. I want things to be comfortable and easy. And when things hurt, our minds are trained in a way to try to put things in place that we can avoid that in the future. Do you agree with me? So, you know, um, I could psychoanalyze myself. (laughs) I think we can all agree um, that, you know, there's things that happen to you in your life. If a dog bites you, let's, let's make it quite superficial. If a dog bites you, you're going to be more careful the next time you see a dog uh, barking and, <laughs> uh, and the fence is open. You will probably not walk past that gate, okay? Uh, dogs, unfriendly dogs can tend to bite. And so that's how we train. That's a, a, a very superficial example, but it does go much deeper than that. Um, and it's, I think that's where it gets complicated, you know, um, these, thing happen, these things happen and these beliefs and thought patterns are shaped and formed in split seconds in your mind as you experience life, okay? So if you just let, if you just let your heart go, it will drift and it will be shaped and formed by what happens to you in life, okay? And if you take the time to submit your heart to God and allow Him to work on it, He will show you the direction in which you need to steer your heart. Okay? And so, what I felt to focus on this morning um, Something that we have very easy access to these days is uh, media, technology, and television. And I think you will be surprised at how, I am surprised at how much my heart uh, tends towards and and craves for entertainment and, um, you know, what technology has to offer. And I will put it to you that a lot of that has to do with a lot of very smart people who have worked, and worked on advertising and marketing in order to grip your attention and devotion. And, that's, and why do they do that? Because it's profitable. <laughs> it works. It works for companies to make money that way. And the challenge for us these days what we're seeing more and more is not only are people advertising products and services to us, they're advertising attitudes, beliefs, principles that are not godly to you and to me. And the, I mean, let's just get straight to the point. The best defense for it is less exposure to it, right? Because even the best defenses, the most, the strongest logical person, everyone is emotional. And these things tap into our deepest, darkest feelings and emotions. 
Okay? And that, and none of us here, how, doesn't matter how smart you are, how logical and objective you are, in some way or form, there are emotions that will sweep you away and captivate you. And you need to know that. You need to know that your heart is susceptible to these things and can be drawn away. If you don't believe that, you will find yourself in situations where you will be swept away and you will be drawn away without you even knowing it. And the, the reason I wanted to focus on this this morning is because there is such a strong push from media, social media technology, into beliefs and standards that are completely opposed to God's will. And what's different today is we have, it's at the click of a button that we have access to experts marketing and advertising to us things that are against God's will. And so I want to put it to you that if your exposure to those professional marketing viral videos is greater than your exposure to your devotion to Jesus Christ, that you will be drawn and your heart will be drawn away from loving Jesus. And that is the worst place that we could be. Amen? And um, there are a couple of marketing principles. Uh, the one, is, they, they call it the bandwagon. Um, this is where, it's actually a pro propaganda technique um, where advertisers encourage consumers to purchase a product or service simply because everyone else is. We believe that, listen, if everyone at one moment stands up and runs for the emergency exit, I probably won't stand here. <laughs> I'd probably consider... 50-odd people probably know something that I don't. I'm, I'm going with you. <laughs> okay. uh, it's, a, it, it's a natural, it's a herd instinct inside of us. All right? It's a group dynamic that is drilled inside of us for our survival, and we are susceptible to it. And, and marketers and advertisers make use of it. Who remembers that name of the, the energy drink that came into South Africa recently? Was it Prime? Okay. I mean, that was complete bandwagon. Everyone was just, it's a, you know, it's obviously a, a mix of a bunch of principles, but everyone is just jumping on the bandwagon. I think that one's left. I don't know if people still drink Prime. <laughs> Speak now. <if> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not going to highlight too many, but um, I think one that has become, uh, let's jump to, emotional appeals, okay, so people associate positive emotions with not only products and services, but certain beliefs and ideologies, okay, and so what you'll see is you'll see the common, the car advert, a family having a great time, laughing on a road trip, you know, in the most expensive car, and then your brain goes, it's because of the car, but if anyone's been on a road trip with two Toddlers, that's not how it is, regardless of the car. Okay. Okay. So they're lying to you, but they're tapping into um, primal instincts that you have. Okay. Now don't be fooled. <laughs> the road trip is not that great. Um, we are 
I've heard this thing, we are emotional creatures, and so we, we, we feel a certain emotion, we feel a certain way, and then we generate logical arguments to, to believe why we feel the way we do, or why we think, and we, then we think a certain way. And in the meantime, it's how you felt, and now you're using logic to justify what you feel. So you could feel a positive emotion. Uh, that's why advertising for dog shelters goes so well, especially for certain groups of people. 50% of the population <laughs> works a lot better. Um, but it taps into an emotion that you feel like, this is not right. You know, these, and, and dogs with those beautiful little eyes looking up at you, all dependent, <laughs> save me. <laughs> and it just seems to work because it taps into the emotions that we so strongly feel, and they amplify them, and it causes you to take action, right? So if you are a dog-loving person, that's great. Dogs are great. I'm a cat person, okay? <laughs> I love cats. We can talk about dogs another time. <laughs> but if you love dogs and you watch a bunch of videos about how dogs are being mistreated, and your emotions are going to flare up, okay? You are susceptible to it. And it might cause you to take an action that could be against God's will. Um, and then another one I want to highlight is storytelling, okay? So movies, TV series, uh, all those sorts of things. They are great entertainment. I love TV series. Um, but I'm starting to become more and more disgusted with a lot of, of what's going on that I can't tolerate it. Um, I love a good, something that, you know, 20 minutes makes you laugh, and that's, that's it. You know, but to find something that's pure and clean just seems to be missing. And uh, Zana and I, my wife, we've noticed over time that as a, if, a, if a show becomes popular, here, as soon as the ratings start to go down, here by the third or fourth season, or you know, if it's really good, perhaps later, but usually the second, third, or fourth season, things become, it becomes very sexual. They have to bring in sexualization in order to maintain engagement. And even if you disagree with it, principally or don't, or you are particularly pure, you know, you love one person, you've married, and all those things, you endure it so that you can get to the rest of the comedy. And somehow, over time, if they, what, what happens, especially with storytelling, is you start to build a rapport with the characters, and you, they start, you start to almost defend them. You st yeah, you, be, you relate to them. They become part of the family. <laughs> They're referenced in jokes and everything. And it, we become very familiar with them. And what happens in that scenario is that they start not to be able to do things wrong. And you start to, you start to look up to them. Especially when it comes to actors. Because there's this air of success around that They must be doing something right that makes them popular and successful. And so... Your mind starts to go to, but these people can't do anything wrong. And so if you expose yourself to their ideology and what they say, and if they are 
pushing certain beliefs on you, you are going to tend to believe it. And so this is completely fighting and at odds with your devotion to Jesus. And I know what I'm saying now is not easy because a lot, we like watching TV. We like, um, you know, you deserve it after a long day. <laughs> you deserve to unwind, you know. You just deserve to sit in front of a, a screen and, um, and, and veg. I love, I also, I love it. But it, if, it's, if your exposure to it is greater than your exposure to your love for Jesus, I'm telling you now, it's going to win. And it's a danger that we want to highlight and say, do not let the world's voice be louder and influence your heart more than your love for Jesus is. And then the last one is the, the, the rise of the social media influencer. You know, the, the people that eat their certain whey protein and, you know, certain foods are popular or certain drinks and they stand there and then, you know, this is the drink now. And it's just so awkward. <laughs> it's like part of a person with a particular energy drink or whatever. And they are able to influence what you what you buy. And I want to put it to you that if you dedicate yourself enough to those people, they are going to be able to influence what you believe. And that place should be reserved for Jesus in your heart. Um, so, you know, I'm not particularly phased if, if you are influenced by you know, your food choices. <laughs> if you eat uh, sourdough bread or Sasko, like, like that's okay. Like, <laughs> like, your choice, you know, the science is out there, but <laughs> you choose. You choose what you put in your body. But what you put in your heart, as elders and as community leaders, we need to take some responsibility for it because it will derail you if, if it's if it's overly um, exposed and if it's, sent, if it's a central part of forming and shaping your heart. Um, there's, a, there's a guy, I just want to say, when things become popular, innately inside of me, I start to doubt whether this is from God. Um, there's a particular, I, I really like reading uh, Jordan Peterson's books and listening to what he has to say. If you don't know who that is, he's just a Canadian, very, got very good psychological, you know, content, and it really helps you to grow as a person. Um, it's helped, you know, some of the things have helped me to, you know, these are things that I can hold on to. But I noticed that, and, and his things are very popular, and I've noticed that people have started to associate his content with godly character. And that's where I start to doubt. Anything that becomes popular, viral, 9.5, 9 9.9 out of 10 times, it's not godly. Godly things don't necessarily go viral. Okay? You need, if, if your viral content is probably not of, you need your, your Skeptical receptors need to be going, like, what is going on here? Is this, what am I believing and how am I being influenced here? Um, 
I'm just thinking of like instant, people want instant gratification, okay? People want to be rewarded now. That goes viral. Vitality, all those things. That's what spreads quickly, okay? Jesus, do you know what Jesus offers you? He offers you salvation to believe in him today. But you don't know how long you're still going to live. And you don't know what on earth you're still going to endure. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what sickness you're going to get. You don't... You don't know what your financial situation is going to look like. You don't know if your life's going to be tough or easy. But Jesus offers you, believe in him, and one day there will be perfect peace between you and God. Not now, later, okay? That's completely opposite of what the world is selling you. If we look at the Hebrews 11 heroes of faith, look at Abraham. He never tasted the promise that God made him in his lifetime. He did not, okay? Uh, but he believed it, and he persevered for 40 years, was it? A number of years, okay? That is, that's, that's not easy. That's not going to go viral, okay? <laughs> Sign up for this. We'll reward you in 40 years' time. It's not going to happen. It's not going anywhere. Okay, um, but this is what this is what Jesus offers you—a lifelong devotion to Him, laying down your life for others, loving Him, denying instant gratification, denying the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, denying all of that now for an eternal reward with Him. And I'm telling you, that only becomes sweet. That only becomes desirable when you are spending time with Jesus, when you are devoted and know the love of Jesus. I think there's a lot more that I could say, but I think I've landed the point. Um, if I haven't, you must pick, put up your hand. <laughs> okay. okay, so let me, let me finish off. I'll tell you one story, and then uh, we'll finish off. Um, so I studied in Wellington at a Bible school called Timothy Ministry Team. Uh, when I got there, my now wife um, was her first year as a lecturer, okay? Um, so within a month, so I'm this young student, 19 years old, and she's uh, three and a half years older than me. And, you know, within the first couple of months, we become good friends, okay? Drink coffee uh, at, at least every Friday, I eventually, I started making coffee, and I, I was her provider, okay, of, of good coffee, Opiroi Ferrari, which was our coffee machine back in the day. And we spent time together, and I fell in love with her. And within nine months or so, I said, hey, <laughs> I like you. I can see you like me. Let's make this permanent. <laughs> and uh, she kindly uh, declined and said that the, the feelings were not mutual. Um, she liked me as a friend. I was a good friend. and all. I was like, uh, that's, not, yeah, that's not what our chemistry is saying, you know. <laughs> and so we tried to be friends, 
like, you know, for a couple of months. But the more time we spent together, the more it felt like, you know, the more chemistry there was. So again, I would make my move because I was like, maybe she said we were friends, but maybe now after these couple of months where she could see when we spent time together, we were more than friends. Uh, maybe now she would consider it. So I'd ask her out again, and she'd politely decline. Um, and after, I think about the second or third time that I asked her out, we decided, like, listen, this is not, we can't be friends, you know. If we are, if we are chatting and engaging and um, spending at any, any time alone together at all, you know, the feelings just uh, come up. And so I would put it to you that you can control, I'll tell you now why I believe this, but you can control who you fall in love with. Because what we did after that was we didn't speak for about eight months. We lived in the, in the same sort of area. See her pretty much every day, but we never spoke. And the, the feelings started to decline. And so just because of a lack of contact, a lack of that, that being together, the lack of devotion of our time to one another, uh, reduce the feeling significantly until we would randomly make a joke again and then speak as friends for three or four months and I ask her out again and she says no again okay <laughs> it took a prophetic word from God okay let's just say that uh, a prophet had to step in <laughs> to get us together uh, but thank God it worked out but uh, yeah so and and so in the same way, our hearts are susceptible to the things that we spend time on, that we devote ourselves to. And so I want to encourage you this week, you've got a choice to make this week. What are you going to devote your time to? What are you going to, what, what are you going to dedicate your mind and your heart to? Is it the easy, quick flip of the phone, switch of the remote on the TV, or is it the more challenging, engaging with Jesus Christ, but more rewarding, finding his love for you, finding his heart for you, him working on your heart, him working on your marriage, him working on your relationships, him working on you in your workplace, him working on your, your salvation, on sanctifying you. You have that choice this week. You can choose. You, it's literally in your hands. And you have the option to choose. And, uh, and I, I would put it to you that the best choice that you can make is to devote your time and your heart's devotion to Him this week. And nothing, and not nothing else, not more than anything else. Amen? So yeah, let's, uh, Grant, that, that piggybacks on, on what you shared, but I would like, yeah. So I'd like to hear what God's saying. It's strange. What Sean's saying is God's been dealing with me this week at the same time. Uh, who has traded in a car before? Nobody. <laughs> that went down well. <laughs> God said to me this week that he wants to trade in stuff. You know, when you trade in a car, you take your, what you have, take it to the dealer, and you come back with a brand new one. Something new and different. And God's saying to me, he, he wants, and 
I didn't actually relate what I said earlier to what I was saying, but I was chatting, Sean's chatting, and I was just thinking, that's exactly what God wants to do with us. And he's saying, and I thought it wasn't like just for me, us as a body, God wants you to trade in stuff. He wants to take the stuff that you're dealing with, the, the, the stuff that's blocking, the stuff that got, you've got issues with. And he says, come, come trade it in. I've got something for you that's much better than what you've got. That old car you're driving, bring it to me, bring your, your issues to me, and I'm going to give you something that I've got. And I want to hand that on. And it was, it was such a strong feeling that this, it, and it, it was like trade in, trade in. It was just, it's like the, the God's got to, you know, come bring your, your, your yoke that you're carrying. I don't know if anyone has actually picked up a, an ox yoke before. Heck, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a piece of wood with some steel all over it and it's here and it's awkward. He says, bring those things that you, you, you're carrying and come trade it in for what I've got for you. Um, because what I'm going to give you is much lighter and much easier and it's from me. It's not what the issues that you are holding. Um, and it's you know, that, that's, that, that's, that's spiritually being crooked. God said, I'm going to take that crookedness that you carry and I can actually make it straight. But until you actually bring it to me, until you take your car and you drive it to the car dealer and say, this is what I'm bringing, bringing to, and I want, you know, I want to change what you've got, it, it won't happen. You know, until you step out and, and say the issues, you know, the things you think, the things you do, that's what Sean's saying, you know, you actually, you have to do it. God's not going to take it from you and just give you another one. Because it, it doesn't work like that. It works like you, you must hand your things over. Um, yeah. I just, sorry, I was very appropriate what you're saying, Sean. Yeah. Let's respond. Let's, um, <clears throat> I think everyone agrees that it's good to dedicate our hearts to God. Amen? So let's just, just as we're sitting, you know, um, let's just quiet ourselves and our hearts. Um, I'm going to pray. But when I pray, I'm really just giving background noise for you so that you can engage and, and pray to God. And just, you, you know, you know the commitment that you can make to Him. You know what you need to trade in this morning. Um, God, is, God has been revealing those things to you as, as, we've, as we've been speaking this morning. Um, and so I want to give you the opportunity this morning to make that commitment to Him. And God, I pray, I pray, God, that, that you would reveal our hearts to us this morning, Lord God. Show us, show us the condition of our heart, God. Just as God is, those things that are coming into your mind now, the things that are coming into your heart, that could be God speaking to you, that we're asking Him this morning to speak to us. And, and so take note of the things that He's highlighting to you right now. And just with open hands, present it to Him and ask Him, God, help me with this. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to devote my heart. This is how I want to love you. God, forgive me where I have failed to steer my heart in the past, Lord. 
have mercy on me, God, for not stewarding my heart in a way that, that brings a sincere, a simple devotion to you, Lord God. Help me, God. Give me grace, God. Empower me, Lord, to steward my heart in a way that pleases you, God. Amen. Amen. If you want to sit a little moment more, you're welcome to. But let's, uh, yeah, it's a joy to serve Him. Uh, he is loving and forgiving. Uh, so it's great to have everyone here this morning. Uh, let's, you know, let's hang out. <laughs> let's chat. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, I really pray that God blesses you this week uh, and, and see you in the week. <laughs>